Welcome to North Bay Christ the King. You're listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock at our campus location in Birch Bay, Washington. Thank you for tuning in. Now, all that to say is all this talk about helping heal our world, and again, the world's massive and messy and all that's going on, and it's great to try to do our part. I think it's really good. Taking one step, it's, as you watched there before, one little starfish, one little opportunity that we can reach back and, and do something, and I think that's, that's awesome to do that. But there comes a time in our life, and this is probably maybe brings tension that we don't always want to talk about, because we might be embarrassed. And that is that we have needs too. And, and so you've come in here today and a variety of needs are represented in this room. And as much as it's good to reach out to people, and that's what we're emphasizing to do, I was just reminded this week, just in my own needs and my own struggles and what I'm going through is that we got to be careful before we try to reach the whole world. Are we going to take care of what we need to take care of right here? And there's tension with that because we don't want to come off selfish, uh, or if you've been a Christian for a while, this is what I've noticed, and I've found the same temptation to do this, is that the longer you're a Christian, there's a, there's a pressure to perform to be like one. That at some point, I don't know where the timeline is, because when you're first a new believer, like your life is, it is messed up, it's screwed up, there's a lot going on, and, and pretty soon you get you find healing in your life, you find restoration, whatever it might be. You, you, you start going to church and you get community and you're growing and maybe you become even a leader in the church. And there's a lot of progression it makes. But on top of that, though, what happens is life hits us hard. And there's things that sidetrack us along the way. And we can get discouraged and we can be filled with doubt. And we can feel like we're digressing in our growth in, in Christ. And the danger is not letting anybody know about that. Not letting anybody know that you've got struggles as well because you're trying to kind of keep this because you, you should know by now or you should be at a place that you got your stuff together. And yet, here's a dirty little secret. None of us do. None of us do. If you're here today like, oh, I wish I could be like that person. There, here's the thing. If you're here and you say, you know, I actually do have it all together. Well, good for you. Great for you. We're glad. We're happy for you but you know you don't. You don't have it together all the time. There's good days and there's bad days. There's some days you just don't even want to talk about. So today, before we go any further, before we go on, okay, we're going to try to reach the whole world, even our world. What about us? See, at Christ the King, we haven't said it for a while, but we've said it over many, many years here. It's okay not to be okay. It's okay not to be okay. So if you came in here and like, I'm not okay, I want you to know that's okay. That you came and that you're not okay. Now, it doesn't mean to stay not okay. That's, that's not a good thing. That's, we want to help you and grow beyond so that you can be beyond just okay. That you would find healing. That you find wholeness. And really, I would say sustainability in your life and your growth and your, your faith in Jesus. So that you could be a person of being a healing agent of Christ where he's called us to do. But the danger is this for all of us. It's Jesus' warning. This ominous warning you continue, we need to be reminded of, where Jesus says, be warned of this. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose your, whole, lose your own soul? What is it that you give and you give and you give and you reach out to people and you help people, but what about what's going on in your own life? What's going on in your own heart and your struggles that you have? It's good to do good, but it's not good when you have nothing good, good left to give. 
right? It's good to be good. It's good to do good. But if you run out of that good, what does it profit anybody? Now you're the person in need. Now you're the one that's struggling in such a desperate place. And it can, it can cause hurt. And how many of you heard this before? Hurt people hurt people. And we want to still be people to reach out and care for people. But what about us? Well, I want to give us a little guidelines here. It comes from the FAA. I think that is the, 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 the airplane. You might've heard this in the, you know, when you about ready to take off and, you know, in the event of a cabin pressure change, an oxygen mask will automatically appear in front of you. If you're traveling with a child or someone who requires assistance, secure your mask first and then assist someone else. Today, I want to challenge us Let's secure our mask first before we try to reach out to anybody else that is in need. And this is, doesn't mean that you're selfish. It's just being smart and so that we can be sustainable. So as we put these masks on, I want to lead us in an encounter that Jesus can model for us of not only for us to receive healing, but to actually see transformation in and through our lives that really we could reach farther and greater because of what we would do today and the choices we make today in our own spiritual, emotional healthiness that we would do our mass first before we help anybody else. And the encounter that we're going to look at is in John chapter 9. We're going to look actually at the entire chapter, but we can't read it verse by verse. In fact, it would take all the time just to read it. But there's some parts in it that I want to highlight as we do. And as we do, I want to take a few minutes. I want to draw some thoughts on the importance of being healthy, sustainable, healing ages of Jesus. Here's some thoughts that we're going to look at as we we get into. But I want to start with verse 1. It says this. You can follow along. It says, as he, it was Jesus, went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who has sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, this seems like a really insensitive question, don't you think? I mean, why would they ask such a thing? I would never ask that. That's, just, that's really kind of cruel. Like, it's somebody's fault that he's been born this way? But that's what they believed back then. That actually was a religious belief that if you were born with a disability, That means there's something you did wrong, which I don't know how if you're an embryo, you did anything wrong, or they would point back to actually the parents' fault. They did something wrong. They sinned that caused them that way. So there wasn't a lot of mercy. There was actually a lot of judgment. That was just the culture. It wasn't right. Yet as horrible of that theology is, we have to be careful to catch ourselves that sometimes we can blame and we can put judgment on people because of what the choices they have made. Maybe they were We wouldn't blame somebody being born a certain way. That's horrible. But we also have to take a step back and go, hmm, what else is going on in the lives of this person that's happening here? One thing I, I found is that, yes, there's people that make bad choices that lead to bad consequences, but I've got to be careful that I don't judge someone else's woundedness. And you'll actually see what's happening here, that how that happened with some religious people that did that. Now, fortunately, Jesus gives some divine perspective of the pain and responds to, to whose fault. He says this, neither this man nor his parents sin, said Jesus, but this happens so the works of God might be displayed in him. Why did this happen? Why did this take place? Why is he more than this? Why is this going on? So that the works of God might be displayed in him. Time and time again, I'm amazed. I think some of you would relate with this as well, where I've known either some 
individuals have had a disability. They were born a certain way with a disability or there was an accident that took place or illness or whatever it is. Or there's families such as parents that have raised children with a disability or a condition. And I tell you, I'm amazed. I mean, these are, these are real heroes that you see and, and what happens and the courage and the faith they have. And you're just, I'm so inspired by that. But what was happening is that, that God was displaying this incredible incredible work he's doing in their lives. And many people, especially those of faith, it's just unbelievable, those stories. And yet we can look at our own lives and go, well, you know, I don't have a whole lot of challenges. I don't have a whole lot of things that really God could do anything with my life. Well, here, here's, here's where I want to land us on is this. God so desires to display his best work through you. We need to mind, whatever extreme your life or not extreme in your life, how drastic your life has been, God wants to display every single one of us. He wants to display his glory, his power, his grace, and reveal who he is through you. And that's what was happening in this very moment, this encounter that the disciples of Jesus have with this guy. And as we do look at this this morning, I want to just give us a few kind of preliminary thoughts, and then we're going to get into what actually happened with this man that took place. First is this, you can put this down. All of us have been wounded and all need healing. When we get into this, recognizing as you look at this one particular person, the reality is all of us need help. All of us need healing in our lives because we've been wounded. You might have not you know, noticed there and you for yourself, you're like, well, I, maybe you weren't born with a, a disability. And, and, and that's, that's a good thing, obviously. But some of us forget that we all really were on a spiritual level born with not just a, not a physical disability, but maybe we need to understand this. And for sure, we are all born with a, with a spiritual disability and it's called sin. We live in a fallen, broken world. And once we admit that, once we admit that we are a sinner, that we are in this sinful world and that we don't have it all figured out or trying to be all that we need to try to be, that is a good thing. You're thinking, is that good? Yes, it's a good thing to admit it. That's the first step of 12-step recovery. We, we're power, powerless and, and our lives are unmanageable. Now, pride and ego will tell us, just pull it together. Don't let anybody know. This, and yet at the end of the day, at some point and sometime in our life, we are going to fail. And the failure can be horrible, especially when we have hidden either sin or problems or issues in our life. What happens is then this blame goes all over. We blame, we blame others, we blame God, and we don't take responsibility, and we become unhealthy people. For some of us, even the attempt to help other people, we're unhealthy. See, we got to be reminded of this is we cannot let, do not let how you've been hurt get in the way of your healing. That's as we look at the story, we got to how it happens and how you've been hurt. And who, and really even who has done it to you, we, we can get into this culture of a victim mentality. And I tell you, when you're in a victim mentality, you're going to continue to be helpless, hopeless, and powerless in your life. But until you realize this, that the gospel is empowering. The gospel of Jesus is what empowers us to move out of the state of victimness to a place where healing in our lives. See, if you've been wounded, hurt, or feeling broken today, the greatest step you can do is admit it, but the next step is to tell somebody about it. And that's really, that's even harder. You, one thing to tell God that you're by yourself and you're telling him, but to tell another human being is hard. 
But I've heard this over and over that we're as sick as our secrets. And the longer we keep our own secrets, our own issues, then, then we're not going to find healing in our life. And that's why James tells us this. He says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you might be healed. Now, when we confess our sins to Jesus, Jesus is the only one that can forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from our life, right? Unrighteous from our life. That's how we get forgiveness experience. No one else can forgive our sins. But I tell you, there's something powerful when we confess our sins to someone else. The Bible says we find healing. Sins of habitual sin and addictions and struggles and hangups that we have. When we share that with another individual that we trust, what it does is creates accountability. And say, hey, I'm struggling here. I need some prayer. I need help here. And people can ask and speak into our life and helps us grow from it and move out of the place of just continually being and making, being a failure, being a failure, being a, like being a failure over and over. Now, it might not just be a sin issue. It also might be just a hurt issue. That someone's hurt you, has wounded you, and that you, as you share that wound with someone else, healing can take place. And it's there that God will do his best work and for him to display his, his power and his strength through our lives. Another thing to keep in mind and looking at healing is this, your healing is, is not the end. It's the beginning for others. Your healing and what you receive is not just for you. It's, and the end of it, it's the beginning of others. You think about this blind guy that we're going to look at what, what Jesus did for him. He was blind from birth. Back in the day, there was no seeing eye dogs. There was no Braille until 1,800 years later when it was invented. He was helpless. And what he ended up doing was, as many did, he begged. And here's this teachable moment that Jesus comes along. And what he wants to do is not just heal the man. He wants to change his life. God desires to display his best work through him at this moment. But there's a change that's going to take place. It's not just fixing some eyesight. It's so much more. Listen to what Jesus says next. As long as it's day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Now, Jesus talks about his mission to be light of the world, to reach out. But then he uses a word in there, and it's we. When no longer we can do the work, he says this, we must do the works of him. We're part of that work, not just calling the disciples, but when Jesus about ready to leave the earth, he gave this great commission, commission that we would do with him, partner with him to go in all the world and make disciples. That's our one job to be. And that's what it means to be a healing agent of Jesus. We're called to do that. And there's a, there's a period of time, but I want to know, I want to encourage you and, and well, at least warn you on this. There is a cost that's to be paid when we take on this role of being healing agents of Jesus to, to, to reach people with the gospel. There's a toll that takes on our lives. As we honor our veterans today, I was just thinking about a couple of weeks ago, Christy and I, my wife, we went to the movie Indivisible. And it was a very powerful movie. It was the story, real life story of a, Nate, of a Marine chaplain. And you watch as he went through the horrors and, com- and right in the combat as he reached out and prayed and led some of the, the soldiers to Christ. It was an incredible experience he had, but it had its toll on him as, as many soldiers experienced. And so he came back home, had his own form of PTSD. And it took people around him to help him and encourage him to help him through it. But it had, it had a price. It cost him. It was, it was, gonna, it was affecting his marriage in a very 
detrimental way and his family, his own, his own wherewithal, even his belief in God was even questioned. I tell you, many of us, we can kind of reach out and help people and people need the gospel and that. But what about us? What about our needs that we have? We cannot try to reach the whole world and lose even our own soul. Today, as a pastor, that's, that's the greatest thing that can happen to me. You can pray for me in that way is that, that all the helping, 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 there is a time that when you're trying to hold it all together, we can't. Here's the secret. None of us can. And we rely upon God and we rely upon one another because we have to do it together. There was this image I want to give you is like, what can we do in a practical way? How would we even do that? I want to give you this image. It's, maybe it's kind of graphic. It depends on how your imagination goes. But imagine there's a bomb that went off in a village and you're flown in by a helicopter to be a medic. And you land there and you're dropped and you're the only one and there's, there's just mass casualties around you. What do you do first? What do you do first? You A, you help the first person you see or B, you find other semi-wounded people, but not really that wounded of people that can come and help you? Well, the answer is B. It's called triage. See, it's easy for us to rush and, and help the first person in need, and yet there's all this need in the world. We're overwhelmed. We're overcome with all these world. But what if we actually reached out to the people around us? And here, you might have come in today. You're feeling a little bruised and bleeding and bandaged. You know, you're just feeling kind of beat up today. Well, I'm sorry that's for you, and that's, that's a struggle for you and what you're going through, but are you well enough? <laughs> are you well enough to help reach out to, to the people around you? Well, could we offer today a Band-Aid? <laughs> could we offer some, some, some little bit of training in first aid to be a healing agent? But you might go in, but I've, I've got my wounds myself. I, I know, but here, here's some help. Here's some things. Can you go help other people as well? Now, here, here's the other part of it is, it depends on where you've been hit and how wounded you are. Because the reality is, for some of us, we're, we are really hurt. And for us to reach out to people that, that need help, we're all, we're, we're, we need it ourselves. And so to find that place is a very, very important thing. So the way I kind of define it this way of where we are, and as we look at where we've been hit, if life happens, is this, is it a scratch, is it a scar, is it a scab, or is it a sore that you have? Where have you been wounded? If, if you have a scratch, it's, it's just a surface wound. Uh, if you're wondering why I've got a little, uh, little scratch here today, I, I cut myself shaving this morning. I didn't do this on purpose as an illustration, by the way. It just was comical. As a, with a new razor blade, it was pretty sharp today. And so it's not raspberry jam or anything. It's, it's, I cut myself. It's a scratch. Yeah, I'm going to be okay. You don't have to pray for me on that. It's going to heal. I'm all right. But we also have, if it's surface wounds, we also have scratch. We have scars. We have stories that we can tell like well, this happened here in our body or, or in our life emotionally that we got over something. Some of you have been divorced, but you've been divorced 25 years ago and you got over it and you moved on and you got healed from it all and you're, you're now and maybe in a different marriage or whatever it might be. We have scars of our past that we're fine. We can tell stories of what God has done. I mentioned that hurt people hurt people. I just heard it just recently this morning. Someone said to me, oh, it was my wife. She said during worship because healed people heal people. Healed people heal people, that we can help people share our healing story. But some of it has scabs. I know that sounds gross. But scabs are things that they're in the healing process 
But if you bump it or if you touch it, you're like, out. that's still tender. So we got to be careful with that. And then here's the last one. We have sores. Some of us have open wounds in our life. And the last thing we need to do is step in and try to help other people until we receive healing ourselves. We don't want infection. We don't want to spread unhealthiness to other people. Now, if you're here and you're going, I'm not sure where I'm at on all that, scars and you know, all that scabs and all that. We have a, what we call a spiritual health self-assessment. There's some hard copies in the back at the connection point. You can go online under, under ctk.church and North Bay campus and you click grow and there's a place you can do this and it's on your own. No one's going to see the answers, anything, unless you want to share it with someone, but a way to say, Lord, where am I? Cause I want to be healthy. I'm going to put on my own oxygen mask before I reach out to others. Well, here, here comes, let's get to the healing. That's all preliminary to the healing for, 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 here's the moment. The blind beggar, Jesus heals him just in a crazy way. It says, after this, he spit on the ground. Jesus spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva and put it in the man's eyes. And he said, go. And he told them to wash in the pool of Siloam. This word meant sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Now, if you ever raised a drink or toast, here's mud in your eye. Many believe that's where that came from. You ever thought about that a little bit? Now, why? Come on, come on. Why, Jesus? Seriously. Why would you spit in the mud, pick it up, and just put it in the guy's eyes? Now, there's a lot of theories. You can read a lot of things. And someone says, well, he's demonstrating he's the creator. You know, he created as God, God a man, man was formed out of the dust of the earth. He's looking at creation. There is something powerful about Jesus' spit. I know that's gross. It, there's his, there, his very DNA. You know, that's how you swab to get DNA. Some believe that. That's what Jesus is doing. I think we're making it way too complicated. This is my thinking of it. Because that seems, woo, kind of out there. Let me, I, I think it's this. I think it's very, very simple. He wanted the man to do something. The man had been blind for how long? Years and years and years. He's born. That's all he knows, blindness. And so with that, he's a sense of helplessness. He has nowhere to go. He has nothing. He can't, he can't help himself. And so why wouldn't just Jesus pray over him? And he's healed and can see. Wonderful. No. What did he have him do? Had him to go wash his eyes. And he went to the pool of Siloam. It's a purification pools around the temple. It, it, it was the fact that he had to get up himself. He had exert himself. And the muddiness in his eyes. And he had to walk by faith to go and wash his eyes out in the pool of Siloam. He had to believe that Jesus was holding this healing. And that he had to reach out and grab it and get a hold of it. He had to exert himself in the healing. Can I tell you, in our lives so many times, we just want instant fixes. We want our lives just to one little prayer and one little thing and we're done. And yet Jesus has this work and this process that he's doing in our eyes. Or in our lives. Whatever the healing takes place, there was a process that was happening. That's what he does. He washes the eyes, and guess what happens? He can see. And listen to what happened next to this crazy story. It says, His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some claim he was, others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insists, and I am the man. How then were your eyes open? They asked and replied, the man they, call, they called Jesus made some mud and put it in my eyes. He told me to go wash, to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and there I could see, where is this man? They asked, I don't know, he said. 
Well, apparently they're just up down the town's in uproar. What's going on? So they needed a better answer. So it says that they brought to the Pharisees, the man who had been blind. They're like, here he is. This guy's been, you know, and, and, and they, they, he goes through the story. How did this happen? How did you ever see again? Well, this guy, this Jesus put this mud in my eyes. He told me to go wash and I wash. Well, the, the religious leaders are, are stirred by this. And they find out about this. It says this, and now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the, the man's eyes was a Sabbath. And they go, this man's not from God. He does not keep the Sabbath. But others ask, how can a sinner perform such miracles? So they're divided. So there's this controversy. Because you don't heal people on the Sabbath. It's supposed to be rest. That's work. That's not right to do and everything. And all along, the guy's going, I can see. I'm healed. And they're all busy worrying about all this. Isn't that crazy? And so what they do is they go and they find this guy's parents and they drag them in there. Hey, we're trying to figure out what's going on in there. What happened in here? You're, he couldn't, he's healed. You ask the guy. And so they go back even a second time and they say to him, they're badgering him now. And they're basically saying, you know, come on, tell us how this happened. He goes, I don't know. This, this is all I know. And I love this line. He says this, one thing I do know, I was blind. Now I see. I don't know how it all worked. I think it's so a reminder to us that God works in the way he's going to work and what he's going to do it. And we're trying to have to explain everything at times. We have to try to get the right theology all lined up. And we have to know. And so when Jesus touches you, when Jesus does his work in you, do we need to really question it? Do we need to go after and try to give a theological answer to everything, explain everything? The fact that we could celebrate the life that was touched, but they weren't doing that. Instead, they throw the dude out. Hey, it's, there wasn't, hey, buddy, we're so excited for you. Look at this, isn't it amazing? You can't, you couldn't see all your life and, and now you can. What are you going to do with your life? Where are you going to go? What's going to happen? We're excited for you. He's like, No. They throw them out. Can I, can I remind us of this? Not everyone will understand or celebrate your healing process. They just don't know. They just don't know. And you come home, maybe I remember students when I was a youth pastor, they would have this incredible experience at camp and they would come home and it was some, you know, some parents that not only maybe they were non-Christian parents or church kids, they'd come home. And they would throw their bags down and then they would say, mom, dad, I'm so excited what God's done. And they're like, hey, pick your bags up here. You can't leave your sleeping bag out here. You need to put it away. And they denounce really what even not celebrated what God was doing in that life of that student. I know there's ladies that are in Bible studies. You know, we have eight Bible study groups going on right now with just the ladies. Men, they're kicking our can. We got to step it up. They're really doing good. And I tell you, some of these ladies that come home and they have, they have, they have husbands that are caring nothing about what they're learning in God's word. And they're feel lonely that way. There's, you, you might have a friend that you've shared what God's doing in your life. And they're like, oh, that's great. Good for you. And yet, what's happening? Here's the thing. We can't blame them. They've never experienced transformation before in their life. I tell you, once you get transformed by Jesus, you're different. You're changed. But listen, don't let them drag you down. And pull you away and discourage you. That's why community is so important. That's why we come together and we talk and we share. Tomorrow leaving, you don't want to miss tomorrow night. Tomorrow night we're having our family gather. And we're bragging about Jesus. And we're going to tell stories. And we're going to eat together. And we're going we're to celebrate what God's doing in our life. And you all, all of us need that. 
Listen, though, what happened when, when Jesus got wind of the controversy, it says that Jesus heard that he had been thrown, they threw him out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? Who is he, sir? The man asked, tell me so I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he's the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. What was going on here? It wasn't just about the man being healed. It was about the greater revelation of who Jesus is in his life. You got to hear this. Listen, the Lord not only wants you to be healed, he wants to transform you. And there's a process and a process that happens. It doesn't always happen instantly. There is going to be some sucky, muddy days and messiness that we have to go through to before we get healing in our life. And the transformation takes place. It is a process. God is not always in the quick fixes, but he's into growth. He's not in just to help us. He wants to bring wholeness in our life. He's not just wanting to bring relief. He's wanting to reveal in the revelation of who he is. Yes, he's a healer, but he's also a restorer. He's a relationship reconciler. He's a peacemaker. He's a completer of a work. And the greatest thing that he wants with us is friendship. If Jesus went and just fixed everything in your life, you're like, good to go. But what if it's really true that what he wants is a process of work in our life, shaping us and molding us and creating us in an image through this relationship with him? I think that's what's happening in our lives and the lives around and the people around. There's a process that happens. But also know this, it comes down to this as we get closing here, is that healing is only, what's healing for? It's only for those who know that they need it. It's only for those who know they need it. This reunion and kind of this revelatory moment this, this blind man had led to a confrontation with the religious. Jesus said, he says, for judgment I have come into this world. For that, for that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. So Pharisees were with him, heard him say this and asked, what? Are we blind too? Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now you claim you can see your guilt remains. Come on, we bring it full circle around. As we start at the very beginning. In order for us to think we're going to try to heal the whole world or our world, we first have to have healing in our own life. Before we go out and reach people that need the gospel, the gospel has to reach us first. Transformation starts from the inside out. And I tell you, pride will blind us and it will say that we don't need any of it any longer. It's only for those out there. And I tell you, when we start doing that, it stops the healing in our own lives. Because I can tell you, trying to be a healing agent of Jesus in the church for now almost 25 years, it sucks sometimes. It's hard on my spiritual life. And many of you recognize this. There's woundedness and we're reaching out to people. But I tell you, there's a transformation that takes place. Is continually I'm allowing God, Lord, I am, I am feeble. I am failing. Lord, I need your power and I need your presence. I need you to transform my life. I have wounds, Lord. There's friendly fire at times. The people that reach out to you actually can harm you at times. God, transform my life so I can still be a blessing to others. Henry Nouwen is a Catholic, Dutch Catholic priest. He's passed away several years ago. He uses this term, wounded healer. 
wounded healer. I tell you, that's what God's called us to be. We've been wounded, we've been hurt. But I tell you, our scars can speak to people. Our lives can speak to the people around us that we don't have it all together as well. Then it's okay not to be okay. Don't stay not okay. We want to help in the healing process that we're in this together. And sometimes we got to practice triage, but we need everybody. Even though you might be wounded a little bit, your help is needed because there's people that are bleeding and hurting in our world, in our community that desperately, desperately cannot help themselves. And we are there to help rescue, but do not do it at the cost of your very own spiritual life. It's not worth it. Recognize you and I, the only way we're going to get healing is recognize that we truly need it ourselves. I'd like our team to come as we wrap up today. And this is the question really comes down as we pray. What healing do you need right now in your life before you go out and help heal the world? What do you need right now from the Lord? Can we be so bold that God would do that in our life and begin? He might not fix it right away because not always it does it. It's, sometimes it's going to be messy. Sometimes it's going to be muddy in the process, but bring transformation he wants. Let's start with a prayer here today of what Jesus wants to do, but admitting it now, what is it in your life right now? Will you pray with me? Bow, bow as we, our heads, and take this private moment. We're in a public place, but just take this private moment with the Lord and just talk to Jesus. Lord, you see my, my hurt. You see my wounds, Lord. You see, Lord, where I've been wounded, and Lord, you know the people that have wounded me. Lord, I'm struggling. I need your help. Lord, I'm trying to do great stuff and help people along the way and for them to get healing. But Lord, there's, I, I need healing in my own life. I got my own struggles, Lord. And God, it's hard for me to admit because it's, it sounds selfish. And yet, Lord, it's, it's negligence if I don't. I don't admit that I also have woundedness and I also have pain. And I also have struggle, Lord. Lord, that might be some here today that they would admit that to you. Lord, you're, the greatest strength we could do is to admit it, that we're admit it that we're weak, Lord. So, Lord, that you can be strong in our life today. God, may we just set aside our pride, set aside the thinking we got it all figured out because we should have had it all figured out, Lord, but we don't. God, that we confess that. Lord, maybe some of us are struggling. We, we're holding some, harbored some bitterness towards someone. Or even maybe bitter toward you, Lord, because the answers that we're wanting are not happening quite the way we want it, Lord. But there's some woundedness that's there. There's been abuse. There's been negligence. There's been some things that happened to us, Lord. God, we just, we're raw and we're open and we need healing, Lord. And we ask for that you do your touch the way you can do it, Lord. God, I pray that as we're finding healing and we're finding wholeness in our life, Lord, you bring the transformation. That, Lord, we can just brag about you. And that, Lord, we can be healed up enough, Lord, that we can reach out to the people around us and we can tell the stories of our scars and our own woundedness, and Lord, that how great you are. We can brag about you and all that you're doing, Lord God. So, Lord, we pray that today that we not leave here without receiving what you want us to have so that we can go out and in our healing process, Lord, that we can continue to reach out to a fallen, broken world and that, Lord, we're not the source of the healing, Lord. We can point people the way. But, Lord, we can be healed people to help heal the people around us. We ask for your help in doing that, Lord, and we thank you for the opportunity today we've had. In Jesus' name, amen.